This is Bridget. If you're just starting this series, stop and go back to episode one. The story will make much more sense that way. So if you listened to the last episode of Derailed, you know where we left off. Scott Walker wins the election. He holds firm on rejecting federal stimulus money for a train. And the federal government takes the money back. That day in 2010, when it all becomes official, Governor-elect Scott Walker tells reporters that Wisconsin has won. But in general, I think the fact that we don't have a train between Milwaukee and Madison, and there's no other way the federal government nor anyone else can force it, it's a victory. That same day, Madison Mayor Dave Cheslovich holds a press conference of his own. He is crushed. He says Walker boxed himself in on this issue, and now Wisconsin will pay the price. Right. The next question to be asking the governor-elect is, when are you going to start writing checks back to the federal government for how much? Remember, Wisconsin was going to get $810 million from the federal government to build a passenger rail line between Madison and Milwaukee. Now, the Obama administration makes clear it's taking back all but $2 million of that. Wisconsin's outgoing governor at the time, Democrat Jim Doyle, says he's disappointed, but at least people will see the full picture now. This money that's not coming to Wisconsin, it's going to rail projects in other states. Uh, I think everybody understands that it's been a total fiction that has been pushed forward over time, that somehow this money could go for something else in the state of Wisconsin if it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be high-speed rail here. It's going to be high-speed rail in some other state. So it's that simple. And that would happen almost immediately. The day the U.S. Department of Transportation takes back Wisconsin's money, it spells out where it will go. New York, Illinois, and Washington will all get pieces of it. And the biggest chunk will go to California. So we followed the money. I went to California to see the high-speed rail construction firsthand. And while Wisconsin and California are vastly different projects, I'll tell you what I saw. From Wisconsin Public Radio, I'm Bridget Bowden. And I'm Sean Johnson. This is Derailed. This past July, I spent a morning at E.J. DeYoung's Dairy in Hanford, California. Uh, We're milking a little over 5,000 cows. Wow. Three times a day. Three times a day. DeYoung farms about 3,500 acres. We got in his truck, and he drove me around. So this is what we call the fresh pens. So all these girls, they have uh, calved within the last 20 days. He showed me his field of solar panels and the perfectly manicured rectangle of lawn where his house sits. He showed me where his main water line runs and where he's drilling a new well. Eventually, we came to a big dirt path carving right through a field. That, he said, is where the high-speed train will eventually run right through his farm. We need to start with a little history, because this project predates Wisconsin's big train debate. California had a referendum on the ballot back in 2008. It passed the same night Barack Obama was elected president. It was called Proposition 1A, and it authorized $9 billion in bonding for a high-speed rail line to connect San Francisco to Los Angeles in less than three hours. $9 billion. That's a lot. It's more than all the high-speed rail funding in the whole stimulus package. Then in 2010, California got some of that stimulus funding, more than $2 billion. But that didn't mean they'd have new trains running right away because the California project is a lot different than Wisconsin's would have been. 
Remember, Wisconsin's rail project was what they called shovel-ready. The trains would have traveled along an existing rail corridor. Although they would have needed upgrades, there were already tracks for most of the way. In California, they're basically starting from scratch. For miles and miles, there's nothing there. No tracks, no right-of-way. And that's really challenging. When they started construction, they hadn't actually acquired all of the land they needed yet. And they're still not done. It's delayed the project and driven the costs up, way up. Like Wisconsin, California's rail project has been a saga that's been passed from governor to governor. It was once championed by Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger. I believe very strongly we should have high-speed rail all over the state of California and all over the United States. Then, Democrat Jerry Brown carried the torch. I make no bones about it. I like trains. I like high-speed trains even better. Now, another governor, Democrat Gavin Newsom, is running the show. Newsom had been Jerry Brown's lieutenant governor, and before that, mayor of San Francisco. And he supports the rail line, but his position is a little more complicated. Because what Newsom inherited was a rail project that was extremely over budget and way behind schedule. He addressed it almost immediately after he took office, in his first ever State of the State address. And what he said caught people by surprise and changed the trajectory of the California rail project. Let's be real. The current project, as planned, would cost too much and respectfully take too long. There's been too little oversight and not enough transparency. Right now, there's simply... This train was originally supposed to go all the way from San Francisco to Los Angeles, about 400 miles. But Newsom said, at least for now, the state can't do that. However, we do have the capacity to complete a high-speed rail link between Merced and Bakersfield. All right, Bridget, you went to California and I didn't. So I got to stop you here for a minute because I have some questions. Okay. Here's the thing. I did not grasp the significance of what Newsom said the first time I heard it. And I think it's because I really don't know California geography. Okay. What do you want to know? Well, let's start with where this train was originally supposed to go. So California's population is concentrated in two main areas. In the north, there's the Bay Area. That's San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. In the south, you've got the coast, Los Angeles, San Diego. The plan from the start was to connect these two huge areas. But the state is a lot bigger than just these two areas. Right. And the area you need to know about for this story is called the Central Valley. The Central Valley. Okay, tell me about that. So the Central Valley is a huge area in the middle of the state that stretches from Northern California all the way to Southern California. And you showed me what it looks like on a topographic map of California. And I got to say that helped me picture it better. It's this very long, flat, green region of California. Perfect for growing almonds and walnuts and fruit. Actually, a lot of the food that Americans eat comes from the Central Valley. And when you went to California and visited EJ's farm, this is where you were in the Central Valley. Yep. So when the governor of California says in his State of the State address that they can build a high-speed rail link between Merced and Bakersfield. EJ's farm is pretty much right in between those two cities. But this farm in the Central Valley is actually a long way from Los Angeles and San Francisco, right? It is. So California is basically building the middle of this train? Right. And what about connecting the train to San Francisco in the north and Los Angeles in the south? Governor Newsom is basically saying, we'll figure that out later. Okay, I think I'm caught up now. Okay, you good? 
Yeah, let's get back to the farm. Okay, back to the farm. E.J. DeYoung runs the place, and dairy farming runs in his blood. My family's been in the dairy business since the 50s when they immigrated from Holland. Uh, They came to Southern California. E.J. remembers when the high-speed rail proposal was on the ballot, but never imagined that it would directly affect him. Eventually, he got a letter in the mail. Said that basically your your property is going to be impacted. It had a, you know, a a rough map on there and, and our parcel numbers and, you know, just basically warned us that it was coming, coming through our, our yard. Right through his yard. In fact, the future train will go through the epicenter of his farming operation. His main water and power lines will need to move. The train will come zooming through what is now his driveway at 200 miles an hour and just barely miss the corner of his house. Well, I, I tell my wife the good news is we don't have to move. but <laughs> We don't have to. Yeah, yeah. But she will want to. She will want to. Um, you know, I think we can we can handle a little bit of dirt moving, um, but if if they're ever running a train that close to our house, we're we want out. The rail line will carve a diagonal line through his farm. So so it basically um, cuts off, you know, three quarters of my ranch from the dairy. When EJ found out where the train would go, he realized it would keep him from getting from one side of his farm to the other without driving all the way around on the main road. EJ challenged this, and he won. So the rail authority agreed to build EJ an underpass. But the underpass wouldn't be quite wide enough. So that just means there's one piece of equipment that won't fit through. That piece of equipment? A planter. A $55,000 planter. But the rail authority had a solution. They actually agreed to buy a planter for the other side. You start to see how costs can add up when you're building a railroad and how difficult it is to start from scratch. They, they picked this spot because all it is is a couple farmhouses, you know. It's just all just a couple dumb farmers and, you know, it's one property owner per mile or half mile, right? Should be easy, no problem. Well, this has taken them a heck of a long time to get this far, right? So by the time you get to... Bay Area or Southern California where you got, you know, 100 property owners per mile and try to negotiate all that, um, that's going to take a long time. E.J. DeYoung isn't the only one who has doubts about this project. Some people think it's time to throw in the towel. But Governor Gavin Newsom disagrees. Abandoning the high-speed rail entirely means we will have wasted billions and billions of dollars with nothing but broken promises, partially fulfilled commitments, and lawsuits to show for it. And with all due respect, I have no interest in sending back $3.5 billion of federal funding that was allocated to this project to President Donald Trump. A little context here. This comment from Gavin Newsom right here turned out to be significant. Because up until then, Donald Trump wasn't really dug in on the train issue. In fact, as a candidate for president, he'd talk about the need to rebuild the nation's infrastructure, including its railroads. He said the same thing in his inaugural address. But when Gavin Newsom called Trump out, Trump hit back. He took to Twitter the very next day to say he wanted the federal government's money back. And months later, he followed through. He took back nearly a billion dollars. And in a speech to the National Association of Realtors, Trump belittled the train. 
So instead of going from San Francisco to Los Angeles, beautiful, right in the middle, they cut all of that out. They cut all, and now you go from this tiny little town to another tiny little town for billions of dollars. And they think they can do it for just billions of dollars more than the original projection. These people are crazy. And in California's Central Valley, this is huge for people like EJ, because their land has already been taken to make way for the train, and they want to get paid for what they've lost. You know, every, every, every time Trump tweets about it and threatens to take away more federal money, and then I get a little more nervous, you know? When EJ bought this property, he imagined he'd grow old there. But until the future of this train gets resolved, he's not sure what to do. So the, the uncertainty is probably the you know, most frustrating part. This is one farmer's perspective, but there's more to the Central Valley than farms. In fact, there's a city twice the size of Madison right in the middle of it, Fresno. We'll head there after the break. Okay, Bridget, I took pretty good notes during our California geography lesson, but I don't remember you mentioning Fresno. Where is it? So you remember the Central Valley? Yeah, the big flat green place in the middle of California that grows all the fruits and vegetables. Yep. Fresno is right in the middle of the Central Valley. So is Fresno like a small town? No, no, not at all. It's actually the fifth largest city in California by population. So it's a little smaller than Milwaukee, but a lot bigger than Madison. Okay, so why'd you go there? Because this is where a lot of the construction for the high-speed rail line is happening. And what's that look like, the construction? So as you drive into Fresno, you go through a lot of farmland. For miles and miles, it's flat highway with almond or walnut groves on either side of you. But as you get closer to the city, you start to see these huge concrete structures rising out of the farm fields. And that's it. That is the rail construction. What are they, the huge concrete structures? They're the beginnings of bridges, overpasses, underpasses, the pieces that will eventually be put together to form this rail line. But they're not connected now. No. So what do people think about that? You know, as I talk to people in Fresno about the construction, I heard the same thing over and over again, which was, oh, the high-speed rail project? Is that still happening? Well, is it? I mean, the answer to that question depends on who you ask. The literal answer is yes, it's being funded, construction is currently happening. Here's Tony Tinoco, a public information officer with the California High-Speed Rail Authority. Um, if you're from the area and you're passing by a lot of our structures, it's really hard to miss. Um, there have been some, you know, reports in the news of, you know, funding, things like that. But as far as construction in the valley, nothing has changed. We're still moving forward, so. And she says there's a huge benefit to taking the rail line through this area. She says it wasn't just meant to be a fast connection between San Francisco and LA. It was always meant to connect the Central Valley to the state's biggest cities, to make Fresno and other places bedroom communities of the Bay Area where housing is tight. Valley, Fresno, Hanford, um, Madera, Kings County, all of these places, um, in order for people to actually work, live out in the Bay Area, go to school there, commute back, things like that. So we're seeing those benefits. 
But in Fresno, the construction is taking a long time. They broke ground in 2015, and since then, a lot of roads have been closed. We've had to close off Tulare, um, Mono Street, Kern Street. Um, we've left Ventura open for traffic, for pedestrian And for businesses in Fresno's Chinatown neighborhood, that has meant trouble. Chinatown is right across the railroad tracks from downtown Fresno. And downtown is busy. There's a baseball stadium, high-rises, restaurants. It used to be that you could walk from Chinatown into downtown. But since construction started, it's been cut off by a fence and road closures. The sidewalk next to the fence is covered with trash and broken glass. To be clear, the Chinatown neighborhood has been in decline for decades, but rail construction has hit them hard. Most of the businesses have closed. One of the only restaurants left in Chinatown is Kuka's Mexican Restaurant on F Street. Margaret Cifuentes has worked here for decades. Her grandmother started the restaurant, Margaret inherited it, and now her daughter runs it. We sell Mexican food. It's authentic Mexican food, so we're open for breakfast and lunch. Because of how Chinatown has gotten here in the evening, we don't open for dinner no more in Chinatown. What do you mean how Chinatown has gotten? It's gotten like a ghost town. There's nothing that goes on here after. Most of the restaurants that are open, they all close by 3 o'clock. So there's nothing really opened here. When Margaret first heard about the high-speed rail plan, which she calls the fast train, she thought it might be good for the neighborhood. At first I thought it was going to help because the substation where they would be getting on and off was going to be right here on, right down the corner. So I thought, oh wow, that's gonna help because while they're waiting for their train, they might come in over this way. But uh, nothing's coming and all we got is closed streets and nothing in the future to say, well, in two years, three years, we're gonna have the fast train. As of right now, everything is stopped. So do you think the fast train is ever coming? No, I, I do not see a fast train ever coming. Especially right here in the Chinatown area, I don't see a fast train coming. A lot of people I talk to in Chinatown have given up hope on the fast train. They'd rather see the government spend the money on other things, beautifying the streets, services for homeless people. Jan Manami, who works for the Chinatown Fresno Foundation, says her community definitely needs all of that, but she knows they can't get it from this pot of money. The money that's committed to high-speed rail is state money, and some of it's federal money, and it is committed to high-speed rail. If it's not spent on high-speed rail, it's not going to be in Chinatown. One of the main goals of Jan Manami's foundation is to support the high-speed rail line. They think it could save Chinatown. But even she is cautiously optimistic. She knows there's a chance that the train will never come. So we need to look at Chinatown separate from high-speed rail and be happy if it builds. But if it doesn't, we're still on our path to developing Chinatown into a more vibrant neighborhood. We started this episode with a quote from Scott Walker in 2010, from the day Wisconsin officially gave its rail money back. And on that day, Walker was celebrating. And in 2019, Scott Walker is still taking a victory lap. He wrote an op-ed this year pointing to the project in California as proof that his decision to stop Wisconsin's train was the right call. But it's hard to compare California and Wisconsin because we're not psychic. 
We can't say exactly how Wisconsin's rail line would have gone because it never happened. Here's what we can say. Wisconsin's rail line would have been a different kind of project. It would have been much shorter, and it would have run along an existing rail corridor. So the land purchases that have slowed California's plan, there would have been less of that in Wisconsin. It's not a perfect comparison, but we went to California because that's where Wisconsin's money went. What's our takeaway? That no matter what state you live in, change is hard. On the next Derailed. We follow another pretty important part of Wisconsin's high-speed rail line that never happened. We search for the trains. The actual trains. Derailed is reported and produced by me, Bridget Bowden, and Sean Johnson. We're produced by Hannah Haynes and Brad Kohlberg. Edited by Noah Ovshinsky. Music by Carl Christensen. Additional support from Adam Friedrich. Digital editing by Jenny Peek. Special thanks to Alex Hall. You can subscribe to Derailed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast apps. If you like the show, make sure and give us a good rating. It'll help more people find us. You can see more at wpr.org slash derailed.